Hi, and welcome to Studying the Steps, where we take a deeper dive into the 12 steps. In each episode, an alcoholic woman in recovery helps us study individual steps as outlined in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Through her experience and knowledge of working the program, she gives insight on how to apply and practice the spiritual principles being studied. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at MagdalenHouse.org. Please note, the curriculum we teach through our programs at Maggie's is from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. However, we are not an Alcoholics Anonymous group, and we are not associated with AA. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. My name is Kelsey Amos, and I'm the host of this series, Studying the Steps, here on Recover Out Loud. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm super excited. We have Teresa and Patrice, and they are coming back uh, to go over step three with us today. If you haven't already, uh, please be sure to check out their episode on step two. They also both have episodes on Recovered. So we're going to start with Teresa, and she's going to kick it off for us. Hi, everybody. My name is Teresa, and we are going to talk about step three today, and we're going to start on page 60. In the middle of the page, it says our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism, and C, that God could and would if he were sought. <clears throat> the next sentence says, being convinced we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. And for me, the A, B, and Cs are so super important. Um, in the original manuscript, it said, if you're not convinced of A, B, and C, reread the last 60 pages again or throw the book away. You, you know, like I have to be convinced that I'm powerless over alcohol, that step one is my truth, that I do have the body and mind of an alcoholic, that I don't have the choice of when I'm gonna drink, and when, I, and when and if I do start drinking, then I don't have the power to control the amount I'm going to drink. If I'm not totally convinced of that, then I'm really not going to get to step two, is that, <clears throat> you know, that's, there's no human power that can relieve my alcoholism. But God can, and he will if I seek him out. You know, I have to earnestly seek out God. But if I'm not convinced that, for me, it was being totally convinced that I could never recover on my own. And that's when that self-will started making sense to me. So it says being convinced we're at step three, which is that we decide to turn our will and our life over. And my sponsor told me, you know, my will is everything I think I want and my life is everything I already have. And at that point when I was, you know, a few weeks into recovery, I was like, what does that even mean? And what, you know, and it, and it tells us that. What do we mean and just what do we do? And then it goes on to tell us the first requirement is that we begin to be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And it goes into the story about the actor, and I always remember thinking how dumb the story was about the actor, and it didn't really make sense. And today when I read it, I'm like, that's who I am. And, and I personally have to go back and read 60 to 63 on a weekly, <laughs> daily basis. Same. Like, I know 
when I'm trying to play God. I know when I'm trying to take control from God and, and, and run the show myself. But it didn't completely make sense to me when I first started, you know, the program. For me, step three at that moment was, do I want what my sponsor has? Am I willing to do what she is doing? And what it is is this, this course of action of, you know, going through the, with the rest of the steps. My name is Patrice, and I am a grateful recovered alcoholic. And for me, uh, with these ABCs, you know, step one, first of all, I had to come to terms with the fact that I do have a mind and a body that reacts abnormally when it comes to alcohol. Uh, for so long, I was thinking that everybody got that same feeling that I got from alcohol. And it wasn't until this time around that I was able to see that through a conversation that I had with my son. It was just like really a eye-opening experience and it was the beginning of my first step experience. So that is what really helped me to get on my journey into really understanding that I'm powerless, that I will never be able to make a decision about a drink. I don't have a choice when it comes to alcohol. You know, step one tells me that I will drink again. And then with no human power could have relieved my alcoholism. That's also a part of step one, right? So I didn't really pay that much attention because I believed in God. And I'm thinking that that's enough. But at the same time, I had all these prejudices that I didn't realize affected my relationship with the higher power. So when step two in the C, when it says that God could and would if he were sought. So that's when I realized that I had to uh, change that relationship with my higher power. And that step three kind of baffled me because I was so religious when it said, turn my will and life over to the care of God. I didn't even know how to do that. So the biggest relief came for me when I came into Maggie's this time around and I heard step three, uh, someone say that all I have to do is just be willing to work the rest of the steps. And because, you know, this time, of course, I had the gift of desperation. So I was willing to work the steps and I saw all these women that were recovered and they looked happy, they looked joyous and they looked free. And I had to, uh, in step two, just be like, you know what? I don't know anything. Uh, I just hope that whatever worked for these ladies, that it's going to work for me. And, you know, because I never realized that I was a self-will run riot. And until Teresa, she really helped me uh, with that because she was my sponsor. And she helped me with the, with the playing God thing because I was like really insulted, you know, that what do you mean? You know, that's almost sacrilegious. What are you talking about? I'm playing God, you know? So uh, she really helped me to see where I was playing God. But of course, when I would call her and talk about different things and be upset, she would show me where I was in self-will. So if, if I don't believe that I'm playing God or I don't see where I'm in self-will, that will make, make it hard for me to work the rest of the steps. And I think what really helped me the most is when they were saying, turn my will and my life over to the care of God, then I was thinking that I have to have faith and trust right away that, you know, and, and it was really weird because I learned that I didn't trust 
God and I didn't have any faith in him, which made me agnostic, of course, now we know today, but but with me not having that, I was like, how can I get that? How can I get that? But when I relaxed and just did as my sponsor said and uh, worked the steps, the steps were actually the solution to me having that spiritual experience so that I could have the faith and trust that I have today in a power greater than myself. Awesome. So, Teresa, did you come into the program with a conception or a relationship with a God of your understanding? Or if not, how did that evolve and change? I came into the rooms and I believe that I didn't need to read We Agnostics because I had God. And I had, you know, my, my kid went to Christian school and I went to church every week. But what I didn't realize is that I needed to read We Agnostics, and it's now my favorite chapter. It's because I didn't have a personal relationship with a higher power. I didn't even have a higher power. I was the higher power. Mm. And so after working the steps and working with my sponsor and even seeing, you know, like when this actor story started making sense to me and I was like, oh, my gosh, I am trying to run everybody else's life. And if I run their life the way they should be running it then it's you know my life is going to be so much easier but it took me a while to to see myself but for me it was that knowing that these other women had a higher power and that power was keeping them sober and if i believed i was powerless over alcohol could i believe that there was a power bigger than me that wasn't a conception i ever had there was nothing ever bigger than me I always thought, you know, I could pray and God, this is how I want my life to lay out. And if you lay my life out like this, I'll be fine. I was manipulating God, or so I thought. (laughs) And so when I realized that I have to go into God's world and, and be okay, right? That acceptance without disturbance. If I go to God, you know, if I just have a little bit of trust that God knows what he's doing and, and know that even if what happens today isn't what I like it's what's the plan and I'm not responsible if I like it or I don't like it or if it's something great then I'm not you know I don't pat myself on the back I give you know kudos to God so it was I didn't have a personal relationship my sponsor told me you should be able to talk to God like you're talking to a friend on the phone and I scoffed at her and I was like this lady's crazy like that's not the way I pray and so for me I had to take what I knew and throw it away you know and that talks about you know lay aside prejudice and I thought I don't have any prejudice about God mm-hmm. but I did I had these prejudices that I was God and, and God wasn't as big as me so that was a huge awakening for me that she was like start with a blank piece of paper like a blank like a blank sheet and so today I have that personal relationship with higher power and that higher power is different before that you know my God had the long robe and the you know the beard and you know he was kind of stern and and today it's kind of this faceless God that's not stern and that gives me grace and you know and when I came into the program the people were talking about grace and mercy and I I, you know it wasn't a concept that I understood and today I understand that so I my relationship with this higher power has become huge it's become something that I can have a personal relationship with So, Patrice, I know you have mentioned on previous podcasts how you were a church lady, 
right? <laughs> and you just talked about how, despite that, you still didn't have that personal relationship with God. So once you came in and, you know, made that decision in step three, did you continue to attend church? Did that change? And what does that kind of look like now? So I don't attend church as much as I did before. My story with the church as well was all of the service work that I call myself doing. Mm -hmm. And I was saying that I was doing it for God. I realized that I was self-seeking. I was not doing it for God. And I was causing a lot of chaos in the church, you know, because I planned a lot of the events and when people tried to change my idea or, or something like that, then all hell would break loose. So it was this time uh, in my fourth and fifth step that I really saw that I wasn't doing it for God and that religion is different from spirituality. Today, the relationship that I have with God is just amazing and I never thought in my entire life that I would have the relationship that I have with God. I remember the people that I went to church with, they were almost like fanatics about their relationship with God and the way they put him first. They really did. And I would be like, I wonder why I can't do that, you know? And even my oldest daughter in her teens, you know, she was already, you know, had a, con a connection, a spiritual connection with a higher power. And I longed for that. So now today, I do attend church, but I go to church and I sit down and I listen to the word. And I don't um, volunteer to do anything unless I feel I've been directed, you know, by God that he's ordered my steps in that so, so that I don't get caught up in the ego because that's what it was. It was just driving me uh, as far as my ego. And I look at it very differently today. Do you think that step three helped you look at it differently? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I saw that I was a self-will run riot and that I just believed in God. I didn't rely mm. on him, which is so different. And I have to tell you, it was really surprising to me that as long as I was in the church, like from childhood uh, up until right before, um, you know, I recovered this time, that... I didn't have that spiritual connection. And it was, it, I, I thought that it would never come. I did. I, I thought it was impossible. So, of course, I followed 86 to 88, you know, because it gave me the instructions. And I just continued to work the steps. Yeah. And I cannot tell you when it changed. Just one day, I noticed, I was like, oh, <laughs> I can't believe you know, that I'm okay, that such and such, such and such didn't happen, or I'm at peace, you know, it, it, you know, it's just like, okay, God, whatever your will is, I'm in, I'm in acceptance, you know, do your magic, you know, yeah. and I had never been like that, that I can be okay, even though everything is just going, you know, crazy in my life, so I am so grateful for this program, because it, it brought me to God. And it's just so different from just doing the religious things. So, no, I, I go to church, but not uh, like before, because I was one of those people that when my kids were growing up and they'd meet new friends, then I would be like, oh, well, do they go to church? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and here and, you know, and here I am, I'm in church and I'm like one of the worst people. 
you know. So, yeah, because yeah, I was very judgmental. So, yeah. yeah, so it is different today. I have a relationship with God, and I rely on him and trust him. So, awesome. which is so good. I'm not perfect, but you know, oh, no. but I have a toolkit. Yeah, you know, when I start to do a little crazy stuff. Yeah, I was kind of like Teresa. Like I would have everything planned out and be like, "Okay, God, we're going to do it this way." And then if you don't do it my way, then uh, I'm just not going to talk to you for a while. Like, oh, let me just you know give God the cold shoulder or yeah. whatever it looked like. But I was also queen of those foxhole prayers in the back of a cop mm-hmm. car. And it's like, God, if you get me out of this, I swear I'll be good. And, you know, all of that stuff. So let's talk about the actor. I love this part in the actor where it talks about on page 60, it says the first requirement that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. And, you know, most people try to live by self-propulsion and then it gets into the actor. But I love that line, even though our motives are good, because that's something that took me a while to see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When my sponsor first pointed out my selfishness and self-centeredness, I was like, no, I'm not selfish. I'm surviving. You know, still very much in that victim mindset. So do you guys have experience for that? Or like, what was it like for you to have that pointed out to you or to see it or to accept it? Teresa? I think for me, I didn't see myself as being selfish or self-centered or, but I didn't realize, like you just said, that being selfish is doing something for somebody that I don't want to do. I did that a lot. Like I would take my mom shopping to Kohl's and I don't like Kohl's and, you know, and then I would resent my own mother because I didn't want to go to Kohl's, but it wasn't going to make me look better and she was going to like me better than you know, that was all self-seeking, you know, and, and I was being, I thought, kind, and I was taking my mom, but in reality, I was resenting her. And so when I finally realized that that's selfish to do something for someone that I don't want to do, and I could just say, Mom, you know, I don't really like Kohl's, and she was like, I don't either, let's go to Macy's, you know, and I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, all these years, or my daughter, you know, asking me for money, <clears throat> you know, and my daughter's had a brain tumor since she was 12, and, you know, if your kid had a brain tumor, you would do anything with it. You know, no, when I didn't have the money or I needed to pay something else, when I finally realized that me saying yes to her and then resenting her for giving that money to her was selfish, you know, because, right, my motives were good. I wanted to do the right mm-hmm. thing, but I was resenting them in the end. So, you know, for me, it was like somebody had donated money to my daughter when she first was diagnosed with her brain tumor. And it was quite a bit bit of money and they did it anonymously and I remember getting upset that mm. they had donated all this money anonymously and I needed to know who it was and I needed to be able to say thank you and and looking back you know now I'm like oh my gosh you know they were being selfless mm. but I yeah. didn't know what that meant like I didn't even understand that I was upset that they had given us this money and not let us know who it was so you know like my sometimes my motives are good you know, and in step six, in, in getting rid of these character defects, some of those character defects I liked, Yeah. you know, but it's see, being able to see where that's selfish and where that's self-centered and self-seeking. You know, I was taking my mom to Kohl's because I wanted to look better. That's self-seeking. But for me, it was like, where does fear play in this? Where is self-seeking? Where is, you mm-hmm. know, selfishness? You know, all those different self, self-will. But I didn't know what, I didn't even know what self-will was. 
So it's, you know, doing that fourth step and doing the fifth step and, and continuing on with the rest of the work where I start to see me. How am I showing up? Who am I? Yeah. You know, but right initially in step three, I don't think I saw it, you know, but I wanted what my sponsor had and I wanted to be free. You know, because step three is basically, is there a minuscule amount of hope that I, that I could have this serenity and this peace. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know what serenity and peace was. Yeah. I don't think I had ever felt peace and serenity in my life. If oh, it was yeah. a new car, maybe it gave me peace and serenity for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. A new boyfriend, you know, maybe a couple weeks or, you know, but never did I have that peace and serenity. And for me, it was, you know, it says, you know, on the next page, God makes that possible. Mm. Yeah. That I didn't do any of the work, but I had to start seeing me in order for God to do the work. And this was just that, that the opening of the door for me to be able to start seeing, am I in self-will? How am I showing up? You know, because again, I was always blaming everybody else. That victim mindset, mm -hmm. it'll get you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, that also reminded me of the other line in the middle of 61 where it says, is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? And is he not a victim of the delusion that he can risk satisfaction and happiness out of the world if he only manages well? That's like one of my favorite lines because I can still fall back into mm -hmm. that mindset pretty easily of, you know, and ultimately convincing myself that I have some power, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that was my idea of success. You know, if, if, if only everything would be, you know, if only I could manage well, then everything in my life would be fine. Well, um, I'd like to point out one thing that really showed me, because I thought that I was being helpful. I did. I would be like, well, I'm just trying to be helpful, you know, not knowing that I'm really trying to be controlling. But when I read at the top of uh, 61, where it says, if his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wanted, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. And when I read this, I was like, that is exactly what I am. If I suggest something and somebody comes up with a different idea or whatever, then I'm like, okay, well, maybe if I put it to them this way, yeah. they'll, you know, I was actually doing those things, you know, or maybe if I just say it a little bit kinder, or maybe I need to uh, be more aggressive yeah. and, and to get my point across this, right? That was so me. And uh, that was part of the revelation too, with the uh, self-seeking and yeah. self-will yeah absolutely it's funny too I was just thinking that before I got sober I was the mean egotistical selfish and dishonest mm -hmm. and then after I got sober but before you know God had done a considerable <laughs> amount of work on me my selfishness still showed up in the kind considerate patient and generous oh, yeah. with those underlying self-seeking motives yeah so I always tell people these things can be really insidious you know mm -hmm. like sneak up on you it's like a, a dr jekyll and mr hyde sort of situation mm -hmm. right yeah right and then learning how to like learning that no is a complete sentence and if i if i when i'm able to say no 
that that's where that peace comes in. Because if I don't want to do something, I have to be able to say no. And I could never say no to somebody before. I thought everybody would like me if I just say yes. And yeah. then, then those resentments pile up because you're doing something for somebody you don't want to do. And you know, being able to say no and, and being okay with it. Yeah. You know, in the yeah. beginning when my sponsor was like, You can't do that and I, you know, then I would think, Oh, this woman and but she was right, learning not to, to do it, you know, let somebody else do it. Yeah, so let's talk about the selfishness self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles and i love how it even extends beyond that Mm because like i said i had a hard time seeing my selfishness and self-centeredness i just assumed that everybody constantly thought about themselves and i learned that that doesn't have to be the case Mm -hmm. i mean i still think about myself a lot because i'm a selfish alcoholic but you know get anyway the third step promises We will get to those later. But, you know, that selfishness, self-centeredness, and then they expand on it, saying driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and Mm self-pity. And I love that they expand on that because my sponsor broke that down for me and I could kind of start to see it, especially the Mm self-pity, you know, self-loathing, self-hatred, all of that. I came in with a lot of shame. And so... Then it says, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. And that was really important for me to see, too. So do you guys have any experience with that or story to share? Well, we know all fear is, is that, you know, I'm thinking that I might not get my way or what I want or that I may lose something that I already have. So when I'm feeling like that, then, yeah, I am self-seeking and I am in self-pity. And I'm delusional as well because I think I already know what everybody is thinking about me, right? And so I come up with all these uh, situations in my head that, oh, I know that she's saying such and such, such and such, and she's thinking this and that about me. And then I'm playing out what the conversation might look like. And I'm, and I'm going to display all these character defects as I'm trying to get things the way I want it, because it's all about me. It was very humbling to realize uh, my selfishness and self-centeredness and playing God, because I didn't even realize that by me thinking that a person should be this way or that way, you know, that that's me playing God. You know, like people at work. Like, remember, I used to drive you crazy <laughs> when I worked <laughs> when I worked at this place, and I was calling her every day mm. about the same thing. You know, and Teresa's like Patrice. She is who she is. You cannot control her thoughts or actions. You know, yeah. you have to be in acceptance of that. You are not God. All this complaining and every stuff you're doing, it, it's not going to, to help one bit. Yeah. You know, God's will, not mine. You know, God, please give me the grace I need to be in acceptance that this is how this is. Yeah. And so it's it's just an eye opener. And, and at the same time, you know, I look at it now and it all goes back to selfishness and self-centeredness because I felt like a person didn't treat me a way that I thought they should. Yeah. Are you an alcoholic woman in recovery seeking connection? 
Maggie's Women's Group is a fellowship group for women in recovery to build friendships and connect with the community at the Magdalene House. Maggie's Women's Group is open to any alcoholic woman in recovery, not just Maggie's alumna. To find out how to get involved and connect with us on Facebook, please visit magdalenehouse.org slash Maggie's Women's Group. Well, I was told in early sobriety that ex- expectations are yes. premeditated resentments. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're placing ourselves in a position to be hurt by having expectations that someone's going to change just because we want them to or they're going to behave in a certain way because we want them to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, like, on 86 through 80, whatever, 8, you know, help me to pause when agitated or doubtful. You know, doubt is fear and agitated is, you know, <laughs> it's a resentment about to happen. Yeah. You know, so it's learning how to pause. And for me, like, this is the formula for your inventory. When going into st- step three, I didn't see all of my selfishness and self-centeredness. It was writing that inventory, you know, when my sponsor said, you shouldn't have any fears. And I was like, she's kind of crazy. Everybody has fears. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought everybody had fears. And today I don't have any of those fears that I had on my list that was, you know, three pages long of fears. But it's growing into this and being able, am I open to see myself? Am I open to be able to see how I'm showing up selfish and self-centered? You know, the first ever act of selflessness I did was in the old Maggie's. We didn't even have a blender. And so I brought one up and just left it on the front porch one day and, and you know, like, like not even wanting anybody to know I had done it. Mm. But any other time that I would do something for somebody, I wanted recognition. Yeah. I'll give you money or I'll give you a shirt, I'll, but I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell Patrice everybody. About it, yeah. You know, but I didn't even see it as objectionable till yeah. it was pointed out to me. And then, and then when I start seeing it as objectionable, then I'm willing to get rid, you know, have God work on those, but I have to see them. Yeah. But in step three, I don't, I don't even knew that I, I, I was yes. willing to see him, but for somebody to say you shouldn't have any fears, and I was like, what? Everybody has fears. I, I, I remember driving away from the meeting with my sponsor, thinking everybody has fears, even for a moment. You know, like I was trying to analyze this mm. whole you shouldn't have any fears thing, but yeah. you know that grows as my relationship with my higher power grows. All those fears, you know, start just going away. Yeah. I think, you know, throughout the years I've done like many four steps and I was never able to see my truth because I wasn't honest, Mm -hmm. wasn't thorough, right? And I wasn't like, I didn't have a whole lot of willingness, but uh, I like on this how it talks about uh, sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that in some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. Because I had so many uh, people on my inventory for resentments, and when my sponsor asked me, well, what was your motive in that relationship? Why did you choose to be, you know, friends with that person or in a relationship? And every time, it was because they helped me to stay drunk. They had something for me that would keep me drunk because I just couldn't see life without alcohol. And then when something happens, right, and then they find out that maybe I was using them or I did something else um, to cause them to be angry or whatever, 
then I would be resentful at the person, but then I'm the one that actually got the ball started because I went in with the wrong um, motive in the relationship. And, you know, we can't see all that. And, well, I couldn't see all of that until I did my fifth step. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot yeah. <clears throat> pointed out. And so I do want to get, we're at like the halfway mark. And so, uh, oh, yes, this is my favorite. You know, we've talked a lot about step one, which is depressing. Like, <laughs> we're screwed. Thankfully, the program doesn't stop there. And then, two, you know, just being a little open minded. And then in this step three, it, it tells us, now this is the how and why of it, right? We had to quit playing God, and so we've heard examples of how these ladies play God, right? So let's get into these promises, offer a little bit of, of hope. Okay, but I'm going to go up. Can we go up here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because to me, this is like the most powerful statement of hope. It says, so our troubles we think are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills. (laughs) God makes that possible. You know, that's huge. Like, I didn't have to, like, the only thing I have to be willing in step three is to look at how do I show up in life? Mm -hmm. How can Teresa stop taking from everyone and everything and give back? You know, but I don't, like, I just have to see me and be willing for this woman that I don't even know to look at me and say, this is where you're in fear, this is where you're in self-pity, this, and and be willing to be open-minded about it. Yeah. And then God makes that possible. Like, I don't have to do the work, I just have to see myself. You know, and then it's amazing to watch God work on somebody and see that transformation. This is the most beautiful thing in the world. Because for me, I didn't see it on myself. Like, I couldn't see myself change. I I could see acts of things like giving money back at 7-Eleven to the guy that gave me too much money, which I would have never done that. But I walked back in and gave him money back, you know. But but watching it in somebody else is huge. Watching God work in somebody's life is an amazing thing. But that's the beauty. Like, to me, that's such a big promise of hope here. God makes that possible. If I'm only, like you just said, willing to be honest, willing to tell this woman that some of the things that I had done that I didn't want anybody to know. Yeah, I love that. Patrice, do you want to read the promises? Sure. This is the how and why of it. This is on page 62 at the bottom. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear 
of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. It's really cool that as we've been doing this, both of you guys have shared experiences that have reflected that those promises have come true for you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I tell you what really helped me too is that last paragraph on 62 where it told me, it tells me pretty much what my relationship with God is, right? You know, if, if he's my director and he's the principal, that means like he is all in all. That's the way I, you know, I looked at it. And then in um, We Agnostics, when on page 53, where it says God is either everything or else he is nothing. Yeah. Because I had to redefine my whole idea and relationship of what God was to be. Yeah. I mean, totally redefine it. Like that set aside prayer, I used it. I had to set aside everything I thought I knew about God, right? So when this right here, it just told me. So then I was like, well, if they're saying that he's all this and he's everything, then that means that he comes first. Hmm. And that's when I had to make the decision in my life to prioritize, you know, hey, it's God, it's recovery, and then the rest. Yeah. Right. And that's the same thing that we do here in Next Step. When we prioritize where Next Step falls, the first, the two top things are God and my recovery. Yeah. And, and then I, I finally accepted that this is how I have to, to live my life. Right. Because if I don't have God and if I don't have recovery, I'll lose the rest. Yeah. I'm not going to have anything. Relationships, you know, family, place to stay. None of that if I don't continue to put those two things first. So yeah, that helped me to define it. And then of course these promises. I never even thought, never thought I could be in a place of neutrality. Yeah, Yeah, because that's all it's telling me right there. This is a place of neutrality. And I just never thought that could be my portion in anything that I was doing. So yeah, I love that paragraph. Yeah, and I love the part where it's like we became less and less interested mm -hmm. in ourselves, yeah. our, our little plans and designs. More and more we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. And that was, you know, in this moment of being at step three, I didn't really know what that looked like. But today, mm -hmm. like, I am so much more interested in seeing what I can contribute to life, not what I can take. Out. And that's so different than the Teresa from, you know, four years ago. Like, like I was always how could you like for my sponsor to tell me like when I got out of Maggie's that you cannot take any money from your parents like like you have to stop like if your father offers you money you can't and, and in that moment of her saying that was because in the end I was like it's going to be mine anyway like I didn't mm -hmm. even know that that was selfishness like I, I didn't he was giving you it to me you were taking something that well, was he already was giving yours. it to me yeah, <laughs> like like it was, I wasn't taking it you deserved it. it right but it was mine anyway. you know that, that but yeah, that was that, that. Logic. Yeah, that that it was wrong, but I didn't. Today, it it gives me great pleasure to take them out to dinner. I took oh, them yeah. out to dinner Saturday yeah. night, and he got mad. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, but I get to give back. I get yes. to do things like instead of resenting my mom for taking her to Coles all those years ago. Today, I get to take care of them, and you know, be there. You know, like I get to contribute to life, and those are things that. I, I was never doing, I was taking from people, but I didn't see myself taking things. Yeah. It's funny how we have that delusion that living by self-propulsion is more satisfying than mm -hmm. living by God-reliance. Right. 
Yeah. I was just thinking about that when you were talking. Of like, my life is far more satisfying when I am doing my best to constantly think of others and live in God's will. Mm-hmm. It's and much and that's you know like just being able to to stop and help someone else when I'm feeling icky. Yeah. That's the magic right there. <laughs> Made no sense to no. me when I first came into the program and somebody's like my sponsor would tell me all the time, anytime I call her with a problem, she would go say, help Go help some go find somebody to help. Get out of yourself. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, No, you need to help me. Well, I was just thinking, <laughs> how is that gonna help me solve my problem right here? Like I called you to give me a solution to my problem and your solution doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. How is helping somebody else gonna solve my problem? But that leads me into the next thing I wanted to talk about was that line in those promises that says, being all powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. And this was a concept that I struggled with. Mm -hmm. But then when it started happening, it was crazy. Yeah, It was crazy. You know, I mean, times, and I I think you guys can, you know, identify with, a lot of people can relate to this, especially when you're, brand new and you have nothing I mean when I first got sober I was in sober living I was riding the bus no money and all of that and I really had to same here trust God or fall Mm -hmm. back into self-will and it was hard and my sponsor would say God will provide what you need Mm -hmm. and I tell people this all the time when they're going through hard times they're like I don't know and it was just the craziest stuff like a check from five years ago would just randomly come through when <laughs> I need it. Happened yeah. to me too. Yeah. 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 Some stock that I was like, where does this come from? Exactly. And I needed it. And it was only enough for gas and food. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the more I saw those uh, results and things happening that I had nothing to do with, mm-hmm. like when I took my hands off of it, he did it in a way that I could have never did it. And the more that would happen, that would increase my faith and my trust. To the extent that even when it didn't work out, I would still be okay. I would yeah. just know that this wasn't his plan, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a beautiful thing, and that's the the whole meaning of God's grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people would say, "God's grace," and I'd be like, "What are they talking about?" Then those are those moments that God throws a little bit of grace. Oh yes, and then a little bit of grace, and then my faith grows every single time I get a little bit of grace. And that also takes me back to what you said earlier. The acceptance without disturbance was something else too because i mean we're going from this selfish self-centered egotistical person to someone who is living in you know god reliance and that acceptance and knowing that i'm going to be provided for and so i think the struggle for me was knowing what i needed you know and trying not to be selfish about it like god i really need this job that pays way more money than i actually need to live on right now you know what i mean i know my sponsor would always text me the only thing she would text back was acceptance without disturbance and i would get so (laughs) mad and i'm like this lady's not helping me you know but really she She was because there was nothing else to say to me like, shut up and accept it without disturbance. Yes. You know? and so now for me, that's what I tell my sponsees, you know, because it is. Whether I like it or I don't like it. You know, I remember my daughter, you know, she tried to commit suicide the last time I was in Maggie's. And then when I got out, she wouldn't talk to me. She didn't. She deleted me from everything. And I had to, like, accept that she wasn't going to talk to me, that she wasn't going to be there. And I didn't like it. And I remember thinking, you know, 
every day I would pray, thy will, not mine be done. And I didn't even mean it in the beginning. Yeah. Like I was yeah. so, like, mm -hmm. just wanted my kid. And I could say it, and I said it, and I would get on my knees, and I would just say, I will, not mind me done. Just let her know I love her. Please let her be okay. And then, you know, six months later, she calls me. And that was huge for me because it was like, oh, it was God's time. Yeah. And I let him be the director. I let him be the father. You know, and so that was huge for me to go, oh, you know, he does know what he's doing. Because six months into it, you know, I knew what it was to know God's love and power and way of life and to, you know, talk about that to other women. And so I was in a better place to even be able to take that phone call from her. That's when I learned that I will not mind me done and mean it. You know, in the beginning, I didn't mean it. I like that you mentioned about saying it and not believing it mm -hmm. because that was me too about everything, you know, Lord order myself, so thy will not mine be done. And I did not mean it at all, right? But the more that I just said it, eventually I did come to mean it. But had I not uh, just took that little step, you know, and just, just that little uh, what do they call it? Mustard seed. A mustard seed faith, right? If I just did that, then eventually I came to the point where I did believe. I remember you my know? sponsor yeah, saying, saying, like, pray for the willingness. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what am I praying for? Make for willingness willing. to do what? You know, and, yeah. and I would be like, ah, oh, just pray for willingness, you know. And, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it becomes like, you know, it, it's so hard in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And then it just naturally turns into this peace and serenity that you never thought you'd have. Yeah, yeah when we have we... a true step one experience, then we have that gift of desperation mm -hmm. where we're just like, okay, whatever you want me to do. In fact, this was the first time in my life that I ever said to God, um, God, whatever you want me to do, mm -hmm. I'll do it. I have never said that. So, and what a difference. Yeah. yeah. We wake up. Yeah. Right. And I have the willingness in step three to, to, what, next we launch on the vigorous course of action. Am I willing to do the work? Yeah. I mean, even if I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. You know, that was me. I was always <clears throat> so analytical and everything had to make sense and it did nothing, nothing I was the same way. Sense. Yeah. My sponsor would tell me to do something and I'm like, okay, but why? <laughs> don't ask it why. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's being that willing to... Just do it. Yeah. And I was so desperate. I was going to die. I was going to die drunk oh, yeah. in my closet alone or... Accept spiritual help. And even if I didn't know what it was, like, be willing to, to go through the rest of the steps. Be willing to... Did step three make sense? No, but was I willing to go through with it? Yeah. To see if it was going to work. I could have told you that the 12 steps weren't going to work for me, but if I follow in the direction that they're outlined in this book, they really do work. Yeah. yeah, I was so self-centered and that I just couldn't see things being done without me having my hand on it. It's really crazy, but it's just like, if I don't have anything to do with it, it's just not going to work. Not even, And that's the delusion, right, of the diseases that we think that being in self-will and us doing everything, yeah. trying to do everything or force our will, that it's going to make everything better. And it doesn't. 
Yeah. That is very delusional. Like, oh, yes. I am powerful enough to control the outcome of oh, this Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. really, yeah. And, like, I have three brothers, and I'm going to tell you, self-will, you have to have it when you have three older brothers. You know? Same, <laughs> you yeah. You be able to do too. it yourself. And, you know, and it was that step two, admitting I couldn't get sober on my own. Yeah. yeah. You know? And then step three, just willing to do the work. Awesome. Well, do you guys want to dive into the third step prayer? Okay, it's in the middle of page 63. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. I would say this prayer in the morning and I would say this prayer at night and like I said earlier I was so analytical I I took all the prayers in the book and I typed them up <laughs> and that no literally don't laugh at me and I <laughs> and I would when I went to bed at night I would have them on this sheet of paper and I would just read them because I was like I'm never going to be able to memorize these you know this isn't the way I was taught to pray and, mm-hmm. but I was like I, I'm not gonna, like I'm not going to I don't want to die so I'm going to do it exactly as it said, you know, so I did the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, like all of them. And, and it didn't make sense. Like I, like, I didn't know that they were saying, you know, that, you know, to me, it's when that obsession was removed, it was like, I wanted to help every single woman out there. Like I was willing to go to the two, four, I was mm-hmm. willing to go to Homeward Bound. I, I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to show them that this really worked. And that to me is God's removing that self from me. Yeah. So I can go out there and help the next alcoholic woman. But if I he, if I was still selfish and self-centered and self-seeking, I wouldn't want to go out and help the next woman. Oh, definitely. You know, when I first was like sponsoring women, you know, who wants to do that? Yeah. And today that's my that the highlight of my days is, is working with a sponsee and getting in this book, you know, and letting them know that if you just follow what it says in here, you can have this freedom and then you can go help and, and watch some other woman find God. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of this program. You know, I'm not I, I, right. I'm not God anymore. Yeah. And whether that lady makes, you know, finds God or doesn't, it's not, you know, but it, watching somebody find God and watching somebody rely on God and go from self-conscious to God-conscious is the most ex- wonderful experience in the world. And that's what this is saying, right? Yeah. I'm going to go out there and show everybody. If you're, and, and, and how am I doing that if I'm angry and indignant and self-pitying? I'm not showing God's love and power and way of life. Yes. When you were talking, uh, I was thinking about something that the way Chloe mentions it on one of her podcasts is that it's not that I need more God it's that I need less self Mm -hmm. yeah and that's what that made me think of and I think that's what the third step prayer is all about right and I love the way that it's worded with um take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help Mm -hmm. and it doesn't say take away my difficulties so that I can be happy right you know or so that other people will like me or mm-hmm. I can be financially secure. You know, it gives us that sole reason right there so that we can bear witness to other people, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and I just, I love that so much. The third step prayer, I think for me today 
is a lot more powerful than it was in yeah. early sobriety because I couldn't wrap my head around it. Oh, I uh, mean, for years I I'm couldn't wrap my little, head around it. <laughs> yeah, I was just a little agnostic. You too could have typed it, it up and taken it to bed with you. you and I even <laughs> thought that I would never uh, memorize it, you yeah. know. But right after the third step prayer, I like where it says it kind of breaks it down. Really, it says we thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that sums it up right there. It's saying that I'm, I'm getting out the way and, and God have your way instead yeah. of my way, right? So. And that last sentence, this was only a beginning though, if honestly and humbly made. In effect, sometimes yes. a great one was felt at once. So did you feel an effect from it when you did it the first time? I think, I, no, I mean, I think I felt a little bit of peace, but I didn't, it, it still didn't really make sense to me Yeah. until after, you know. I really, it was in that hour of contemplation, step six for me, was when I was like, oh, I've really been bad. You know, I've really <laughs> shown up ugly. That's where I was like, oh. And today, when I want to flip somebody off when they pull out in front of me or, you know, I want to, get angry at someone that's when I go back to the step three you know like because it's all self it's all you know it's my ego it's it's always you know like the days when I'm having a bad day and everybody is just eh and I get home and I'm like oh wait a minute it was me yeah yeah. you know wherever I go there is me but if I don't see me and I don't but but this is the beauty of this program it gives me the opportunity to see me like right how am I showing up like relieve me of the bondage of self I don't want to ever be in self again like I was well it wasn't until I really saw that I was selfish and Mm -hmm. and self-centered and playing God that I was able to to feel some relief from this prayer and I like it you know it's a prayer that I say every day and sometimes throughout the day depending on what's going on because I understand today that I have to be rid of self that it's not about me and I like that, the, the, that there's no amen yeah you know it, it does it's, it's not over it's never over yeah right you know and then there's step seven but for me it's kind of like this prayer I say it every day and mean it yeah now. and you know it makes a whole lot more sense but for me it, it was almost where that obsession was removed and I could see where that selfishness was going away and I could see it so, is there anything else that you guys would like to add before we wrap up? Or maybe something you'd like to leave with one of our listeners if maybe they're struggling with step three or the God idea in general? The only thing I'd like to say is what worked for me is when I finally accepted that God is everything or else he is nothing. That one sentence it changed my whole life or my perspective, mm. you know, of um, where uh, God should be as far as in my life priority. And I guess for me, I, that last sentence on the promises, as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. Mm-hmm. And for me, I get to be reborn every single morning. You know, I, I review my day. <clears throat> I talk to God every single night. I know where I'm showing up wrong. But I get to start over the next day, you know. And I, and 
you know, I get to not be in fear and self and self-pity. You know, there are times when I, I want to be in self-pity, but then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make me feel good. But, I, you know, I'm going to make mistakes. But the beauty is in step three, I get to be reborn, but I get to be reborn every single day if I'm working this program. Beautiful. Well, thank you guys so much. This thank was you. great. Thank you. thank you. And for our listeners, if you liked what you heard, please feel free to share it with uh, another woman in the program or someone or man or someone you think would benefit from this. And you are more than welcome to like, subscribe, leave a review, and again, share. So thank you guys so much for being here again. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenehouse.org. Thank you.